into a bar on a cool winter's evening underneath the stars and we'll find Hello and welcome to a very, very special Cool Room Online Meet the Brewers, Meet the Brewery. Tonight we have Wayne Stefan coming to us live from Germany and um, an enormous crowd already in the Zoom room with us. Uh, thank you to everyone who's joined us. Thank you to everyone who's joining us on the podcast version. I know there's a number of people who've already bought the tasting packs and who can't be uh, joining us live. Hopefully you've got a tasting pack with you. Hopefully you're dressed up and ready to go for an enormously fun night, uh, especially for those in Melbourne who can't get out and about at the moment and are looking for some fun. Hopefully we can bring that to you. Um, we're very, very lucky tonight to be joined live from Germany by Matthias, who's over at Weinstefan. I've been practicing saying that. Thankfully, he sent us a video today so that we could learn all of that. I'm just going to run through a few little housekeeping things so that everything runs smoothly tonight. We've got about an hour or so uh, of time, so it's going to be a quick one by our standards. And for that reason, we really encourage you to have a glass and to drink responsibly by just doing a taste of each of the beers rather than trying to drink the full bottle in the time that we have available to us. Uh, so first and foremost, the thing that you need to know is that you need four beers with you tonight. Uh, no matter whether you're in the Zoom room or on the podcast, you need the Pilsner, the Festbier, the Hefeweiss and the Corbinian. Uh, I think we've done about 100 packs delivered out to people during the week. And um, if you haven't got a pack already, we're going to continue to sell them through our online Shopify account that you can access via Facebook and other places. Or you can drop into the Royal Mail Hotel at 519 Spencer Street, West Melbourne, and pick up a pack from there. And while we're doing those sort of plugs, please follow us on the social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Please share and like the fact uh, that you're joining us tonight, whether you're doing that uh, live or if you're listening later, still share the fact that you're doing it. And if you're listening on the podcast, rate and review us in podcast land. That makes an enormous difference to getting the message out there for us. Um, gives you an excuse to go back and check out our archives and deal with some enormously great breweries that we've been dealing with from all around the world. And um, I'm going to cut it really quick tonight, but I'll give you a heads up that the next two breweries that we're doing are Beer Farm from Western Australia and then Mr Banks from here in Melbourne. And there'll be tasting packs from both of those. Uh, the tasting packs are already online in the, uh, in the online store on Shopify. There's limited numbers because we've got some pretty exciting beers, including limited new releases. So jump on board and be a part of all of those. I reckon that's the quickest uh, intro I've ever done because I want to allow maximum time for Matthias to talk to us about Stefan. Travis, over to you for the intro, mate, and we'll kick over into um, Matthias's video presentation. How's that for exciting news? Thank you, David. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we are sitting on about 53 people in our Zoom room tonight, which uh, is great to see. Matthias, welcome to the cool room. Um, we are going to kick off and start this off with a video that Matthias is going to play for us. Um, so why don't we start with that? And then we're going to get a bit of an insight into the brewery and uh, get Matthias to give us one of those wonderful pictures we'd like to have painted for us in the cool room. Yeah, thank you very much, Travis. Thank you, David. Uh, thanks for the introduction. Thanks for having me um, here uh, in your Zoom room in for this podcast and having Wein Stefan. 
And uh, for that, I also upfront, I want to thank our importer and distributor from Australia, Phoenix Beers, and especially David, who is uh, bringing us together and who set it up that I can be a guest today at the cool room. And I'm very excited. Um, yeah, it's uh, about 10.45 uh, a.m. here in Weinstefan. And uh, well, it's, uh, well, the... The best excuse to have a beer before lunch, uh, doing a tasting with Down Under. So uh, thank you for that, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to encourage you all to pour you the Pilsner um, as a starting beer. Uh, just pour it in, have, have uh, uh, um, some, uh, some parts of it. I'm going to play a video, our corporate video. You will also find it afterwards on YouTube. I guess uh, the guys from the cool room can share the, the YouTube links for that. Um, I want to share you that kind of seven minutes video with you that um, uh, get a glimpse of our uh, into our brewery, where we are, what we're doing, our connection to the university, uh, our long history and our working ethics. So it's a guess a good start uh, to have the video uh, before we then getting a little bit more into details and the tasting and uh, yeah i guess i will host it here and um i will share my video um the host um does not allow me to share my video so i guess david um you Let need me. to, to so give well, me more not. more responsible I'm, I'm making you a co-host let's see if that makes things a little there bit easier go. Okay. And don't worry, Matthias, we can cut this out. Yeah. I like yeah. this because it makes, no, no, leave it in because it makes it sound like I know what I'm doing with technology. So that's Sorry, what I, I will open up a Pilsner for myself here. Um, now, what bottle are you drinking out of? That looks a bit different to ours. That's an O3 bottle. Um, that's the Pilsner standard size uh, here in Germany. Um, I guess in Australia you have the uh, half liter bottle, uh, mm. which we also mm. carry here in Germany. But it's in Germany, it's more common to drink Pilsner out of the uh, Series 3 liters. So I, I didn't realize that beer was served in such a small vessel at any time in Germany. So that's a, a little. <laughs> yeah, I'm also more than 50 liter keck guy, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, you need to work with that what you have. <laughs> okay, uh, right. let's see. Um, um, if I um, now, now I'm allowed to do it. Perfect. So then, give me a minute. I will uh, go to. This is a new thing for the cool room sharing mm. videos. So we are. Ah, okay. We are. Of course, I'll let us to make sure that everyone's in the room with us. So. Okay. Okay. Um, so I hope uh, uh, this will work as we have tested it yesterday, <laughs> and um, but I'm pretty uh, confident about it. Yes. And uh, then this and this. And I hope it works for all of you now. Do you have um, audio of the video? To brew a really good beer, you don't need a lot of ingredients. The freshest spring water natural barley, pure hops, and experience. A great deal of experience. A kind of experience that becomes a tradition and then develops and keeps on developing. It's 
the kind of experience that's made up of skill and expertise. The kind of experience for which there is no substitute, but that you can taste and most importantly, enjoy. As the oldest brewery in the world, we know better than most how to create pure joy from the simplest of natural ingredients. It was back in the year 725 that St. Corbinian discovered the spring that would become the pure source of Weinstefan beer. The abbey to which Corbinian belonged, its brewery, and this new source of pure natural spring water thus became inseparably linked. Over the centuries, the Benedictine Abbey's brewing tradition was established. Following its deconsecration, the abbey became the royal brewery for the state of Bavaria, and then in 1921, the Bavarian state brewery Weinstefan. But one thing remained the same, the unique brewing artistry of the beer makers. For nearly a thousand years, we have been concerned with all of the various aspects of the Bavarian brewing tradition, with selecting the best ingredients, with honing our craft, and with dedicating ourselves to a process of continuous improvement. We aim to preserve tradition, while at the same time championing innovation. That's why today we produce a wide range of beers. From dark to light, from strong to alcohol free, from clear to cloudy. The only feature they all have in common is their pure, genuine taste. With all this expertise, it's no wonder that our beers not just have an incredible taste, but win awards as well. In accordance with purity law, we use very few ingredients. So we have to work all the harder to create premium beers of consistent quality. Working with the purity law requires enhanced knowledge and skill. But that's exactly what we're proud of. The most important factor is the selection of the best ingredients. Our premium hops come from the famous Halatau region, where hops have been grown for centuries. Their quality really comes through in the taste of the finished beer. It's the same with our barley, for which we rely on Bavarian malt houses with whom we've worked for decades and who are dedicated to the highest standards. But ingredients alone are not enough. An equally decisive factor is the craft and skill of the brewer. Drinkers expect their beer to taste the same every time and to retain a consistent flavor profile year after year. And that ultimately comes down to the art of the brewer, because to turn the freshest raw ingredients into good beer is an art. It involves not just the state-of-the-art technology that we use here, but the people who work with it. It is this brewer's art that, together with our raw ingredients, creates the unique identity of our beers. Our brewmasters allow more time for the mash to steep and for the beer to mature. And anyone who's ever enjoyed a Weinstefan premium beer will know that this gentle passing of time is something you can actually taste. There is one further factor that makes Weinstefan beer so consistently smooth and nice to drink. 
our close cooperation with our world-famous neighbor, the Wyan Stefan School of Life Sciences. I believe that through its relationship with the university, Weinstefan is fulfilling a vital role. It acts as a laboratory and testing ground for the faculty. This is what makes the Weinstefan Brewery such an appealing destination. It is here at the school that high-level research is carried out into the natural optimization of ingredients and brewing processes. What are the factors that influence brewing? How do you achieve consistency of flavor despite varying harvests? What role do temperature, pressure, and humidity play? These and many other subjects are both taught and researched here. The school attracts students from both Germany and the rest of the globe. After graduation, they are some of the industry's most in-demand brewers. Because here, brewing is not just taught. It can be experienced and practiced in our brewery. It is this unique combination of almost 1,000 years of tradition with the knowledge about the latest brewing techniques that makes our beers so special. So special that year after year, we win prizes at the world's most prestigious beer competitions. Among the many international prizes and awards we have won is the Gold Medal Award at the World Beer Awards for the Weinstefan Vitus, our bright wheat bock. Awards such as these motivate us to preserve our traditions and to carry on doing what we do. They motivate us to carry on learning from our almost 1,000 years of experience and to continue to break new ground. Such awards make us extremely proud and lay the foundations for the years to come. And because good beer is enjoyed all over the world, we export our beers to over 40 countries worldwide. 40 million liters are currently enjoyed every year, not just in Germany, but also in Australia, Brazil, Israel, and Scandinavia. And to be honest, we couldn't produce much more. In fact, we wouldn't want to. Because for us, quality will always be more important than quantity. Our aim is to be not only the oldest brewery in the world, Cheers, guys. Prost. Cheers. Prost. Cheers, that guys. That's, uh, that's an awesome way to start the night. Um, brilliant. Guys, we're, hopefully everyone's opened up their pills now um, while the video is playing and has been tasting away. Matthias, why don't you uh, give us a bit of an idea on uh, a bit more info about the brewery. Where are you, where are you guys located? Paint us a picture. Um, we have a lot of international listeners um, and obviously, we've currently got 60 people in the room, most of them sitting here in Australia. Um, give us an idea on uh, what we could expect if we ever get a chance to visit. Yeah, okay. Um, I picture you, um, or I give you an idea um, where we are. And, yeah. uh, so, I share my screen again. <laughs> so, this is Europe. Um, in the middle, Germany. So, please uh, uh, excuse my... Uh, 
the German writing on this, but uh, the red dot is um, uh, where the brewery actually is. And uh, so um, when we're getting closer on this, um, we will find that inside of Germany and uh, inside, we are in the inside of Germany. So uh, we are in the uh, yeah, southeast in Bavaria. And uh, here in Bavaria, we are uh, basically 30 kilometers north of Munich. So when we go closer, this is uh, uh, Munich city. Um, here, 30 minutes north, there is the brewery um, close to the Munich airport. So it's just five kilometers from Munich airport to uh, the brewery of Weinstefan. Um, and we are a part of the city of Freising. And the city of Freising, Weinstefan, is uh, one of the yeah, most historic parts of the city, which is actually this part, the, yeah, the, I would say, uh, western part of the city is Weinstefan. And Weinstefan is mostly actually a campus of Technical University Munich and the brewery. So in the middle of the campus, there is uh, where the brewery is. That's the so-called Weinstefan Hill, the Weinstefaner Berg. Um, under the top of that hill, there's the brewery. And all around, you basically see here on that uh, picture, is a uh, campus, campus yeah. of Technical University of Munich. And um, so we're talking about 8,000 students here and about 2,000 scientists and employees of the university and other scientific state-owned uh, um, uh, institutes. And there you can see here in the middle, the brewery of Weinstefan and the brewery restaurant and all the other buildings you can see here are from the School of Brewing Science. So this is actually where we are and this is where we are located. And with that location, we are north of Munich, but on the south end of the so-called Hallertau. You have seen that in the video, the, the hop farm and the hop fields. So that hop farm where we shoot the corporate video is about 15, 20 kilometers north of the brewery. Uh, it's the farm of Family Riga, which are now for decades hop growers for the Weinstefan Brewery. And uh, so we are buying our hops directly, or the most of it directly from the farmers. And uh, those are one of those farming families where we buy our hops. So the, the hop farmers you've seen in the video are actually one of our suppliers for our raw materials and for our hops. And so we are in between Munich and the Hallertau, which is the world's biggest hop growing region. And um, so as you have seen in the video, the buildings of the brewery and all this is basically the former Abbey of Weinstefan. So it's very historic buildings and uh, we are in this yeah, historic spot on the top of the hill. Amazing. Um, we, are, you know, we are, we're on a time frame tonight, so let's move along. We are starting with the Pilsner. Um, why are we starting with the Pilsner tonight, Matthias? What makes this such a special beer? Well, uh, the Pilsner is actually um, a very delicate beer. So um, it's uh, not very intense in its uh, 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 basic flavors, like maybe a, a wheat beer or a double bock or something like that. So it's a very delicate, uh, subtle beer, easy drinking, of course, uh, but has very fine aromas and flavors. So if we would start with the Hefe or if we would start with the Covinian, which is a dark, strong beer, then uh, basically after this, we would barely uh, uh, taste anything out of the Pilsner. Uh, 
Yep. Um, and, and so I guess it was its 5.1% uh, uh, alcohol, a smooth start into our tasting and uh, into uh, that uh, evening for you and into my lunchtime. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, having the Pilsner or having a Helles, so a Bavarian pay lager uh, at the tasting at the beginning is always a good idea because those are the most subtle flavored beers, uh, very delicate. Great flavors, but if you're like too overwhelmed of having too much beers or too intense food in before that, uh, drinking that beer, you will, uh, won't recognize those, uh, some of the very fine and subtle flavors uh, we will have in that beer. Yes, amazing. Nice. Um, can you give us a, a, a quick rundown? Uh, the hops, obviously, you explained the, the hop farm that we saw in the video just before. Yeah. Um, the, I'm guessing the, the hops for this Pilsner come from there. Tell us what. Yes. Uh, tell us a bit more about the hops that are in this one. So we have uh, the Pilsner is one of those beers where we have actually three type of uh, three varieties of hops uh, uh, in it. Um, normally we're using two basic hop varieties, which are nearly in any of our beers. That's the Hallertau Hercules, Hercules, uh, which is a bitter uh, hop uh, variety, which is more for a bringing a basic bitterness into the hops. So Family Riga is our one of our main suppliers for this um, Hercules. And then we also do have uh, in that beer the Halatau Perle, which is uh, one of the yeah most famous and, uh, and uh, uh, most successful varieties from the Halatau, uh, which is uh, kind of a flavor hop. Um, where we put a, a, a flavor note into the Pilsner. And then we do have also the Hallertau Mittelfrüh, which is actually the uh, oldest uh, variety and the most famous variety from the Hallertau. Um, the Hallertau Mittelfrüh brings, brings a very, very um, you know, nice herbal and, and flowery uh, flavor to a beer. And there we add this with the Pilsner to the Whirlpool. So we have a very late hop edition so that we bring the, the most uh, uh, oil content to the beer then. And uh, so we have uh, three different kind of hops. Uh, one hop which is more dedicated to bitterness, two hops which are more dedicated for flavor and aroma. And we had, do have 30 IBUs. So we do have 30 bitter units, which is um, basically um, uh, uh, the normal German, uh, so I would say, um, uh, amount of IBUs for yep. German or Bavarian Pilsner. Yeah, nice. Um, how challenging is it to maintain the consistency uh, with the flavor over may, obviously many, many years? Um, you know, has it always been the same three hops in the pills? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's the big challenge. You know, um, it's always the thing between um, uh, that you always need to adapt your processes and your recipes. Because um, as a brewer, you have four ingredients or raw materials you're working with, water, hops, malt, and yeast. And uh, then you have uh, dozens of different malt types. You have dozens of different hop varieties. You have uh, more than 300 different parameters in your brewing process you can adapt. And this will all inflect the, the, the taste, the, the quality and stability of the beer. And so the brewer has to be very well educated and also very well experienced that he is, uh, you know, moving all the, those parameters and, and raw materials together to have a consistent quality and taste 
So two of these four raw materials are changing every year. So we have a new hop harvest. So that means that the oil content, that the alpha acids in the hop is changing every year. And also the malt. So the protein of the malt and, uh, and the starch content of the malt and stuff like that is changing every year. And so the brewers must adapt from batch to, not from batch to batch, but from time to time when it's necessary the content of hop that are adding so that we are getting the same taste that our consumers are expecting. The same is with the malt or with other parameters of the brewing process. So it's a continuous adaption to um, the raw materials and to the situation uh, uh, we, we work in. And that's why a constant work of the brewers and the brewmasters with the product, constant quality control, constant tasting, of course, is very, very important. And this is the work ethic we, we, we are practicing here in Wine Stefan that um, we want to, to maintain that, of course and that we uh, fulfill the expectations the customers have on our beers. And uh, this is a lot of work, actually. A lot of work in the laboratory, a lot of work in the brewery and in the sensory labs and whatever. Um, but uh, it's a tough work, but somebody has to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> As he takes a drink of his beer, perfectly done. Um, over the journey of our podcast uh, in the call room, especially recently, we've had a quite a lot of um, what we would consider to be new world pilsners. Um, mm -hmm. How do you feel? Or how does the German beer industry feel about new world pilsners? As David's got in his questions, we'll do this. Um, I think we've probably had a pilsner in our tasting packs for the majority of the last maybe six tastings we've done perhaps. Um, do you guys consider them to be real pilsners? Um, actually, you know, um, what is real, what is not real, that's always a question from the stand of point where you're standing. And I will not speak for the German beer industry. Uh, if we have such developments or not, um, I, I can only speak for, for, for the brewery I work for and what I stand as a brewer. And um, so I will not um, take... Um, that point like said yeah we germans think that and on the other side actually by the way uh, you need to know one thing from personal thing of me uh, i'm not german austrian yeah i know shocking shocking what the uh no uh, i'm austrian um so I grew up with a constant love and hate relationship with your country because, you know, when you grow up as Austrian and you go somewhere in the world and you say, where I come from? And I'm from Austria. Oh, Austria. I love it. Kangaroos, kangaroos. And I'm like, no, the false Austria. And, um, <laughs> Is there uh, any so, shop in Austria that doesn't have a little sign saying there are no kangaroos in Austria? There are no more kangaroos in Austria. You will basically find it every souvenir store in Vienna when you find a t-shirt with, you know, the kangaroo, the yellow kangaroo sign from yep. Australia. And then there's a writing on the shirt. So there are no more kangaroos in Austria. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, so I'm actually not German. So I, I moved here 15 years ago from Austria to Weinstephan to Bavaria to study brewing science here at the university. And then, yeah, I, I, uh, after my studying, I worked at the uh, university and now I work for the brewery. So I, I stayed here and I loved it being here. So um, that's just for you to know that I'm actually, yeah. Not, not a guy who is a German or Bavarian by, by birth, but by choice. And uh, so um, I guess uh, coming back to Pilsner, New World Pilsners, 
I guess um, as long as a brewery is interpreting a style in a new way, it's their total right to do so. And I think uh, that's what our industry and business is living uh, for that. Then there are breweries like ours who are as the world's oldest brewery uh, trying to make a very traditional interpretation of the styles to keep that heritage alive. But it's so important that in the industry there are also breweries and people who are developing styles, who are interpreting it in a new way and uh, trying new things. And that's what beer is living for because when everyone would be brewing like how a style should be because it was brewed like that way every time then nothing is developing and that's boring on the one hand and other sides it's not good for our industry because uh, stopping innovation is the first sign of a uh, 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 craft and uh, uh, work is going uh, down and uh, so i personally think that uh, we, uh, uh, I really appreciate this kind of new world business. And uh, actually, even if we do not uh, uh, brew kind of, you know, new world style business, like dry hopping them here in the brewery, we actually uh, uh, try to brew new things uh, when we're doing a collaboration, like uh, two years ago, or a little bit more than two years ago, we've done the collab with Sierra Nevada, where we have brewed a hoppy wheat beer. And uh, like uh, when I've been to Australia and Brisbane uh, March, uh, before the whole COVID stuff was going on, I've brewed there with Newstead Brewing in Brisbane, uh, also a, a hoppy pilsner. So with Australian hops, very flavorful hops, also dry hopped it, but when it comes to mashing and to the malting regime, we do it does it or did it old world and uh, so it was a nicely fruity uh, dry hop pilsner but still very easy drinking uh, a product mm. i really appreciated it was great working with newstead in brisbane so when it comes to doing a call up or you know going a little bit outside of our you know sacred walls here uh, then we really want to try some new stuff and uh, so they also um, sent me uh, uh, some cans. It, it was the Luftschloss Pilsner, so it's uh, empty, nice. unfortunately, of course. But it was a way level at Newstead and there in the area of, of Brisbane uh, where the brewery was, and it was really, really great beer. And I really uh, love to work together with, with Newstead at that day. So we've got a couple of questions coming through in the Zoom room, and I'll ask maybe one or two of those, and then we'll move on to the next beer, guys. Yeah, um, of course. A question from Max: uh, How frequently is the brew house technology upgraded? A um, uh, great in question. New cattles, yeah. etc. Yeah. Um, so actually, you know, you need to know one thing. Fre the city of Freising and Wine Stefan, we are basically in the heart of what we call the Silicon Valley of brewing. So north of, of Freising, there's the Hallertau, the world's biggest hop growing region. Then here uh, in Weinstefan, in Freising, we have the world's oldest brewery. We have the world's oldest and biggest school on an academic level for uh, brewing science and brewing education. I was Tech University in Munich. And also five kilometers away from the brewery, also in the city of Freising, there is uh, the uh, manufacturer Steinecker, Kronos. Kronos is uh, the world leading company in technology for process technology and also uh, packaging of beers and beverages. 
And so uh, Steinecker was founded 1875, so 10 years after they founded the brewing school here in Wein, Stefan. And so it's one of the uh, oldest technology companies in, uh, and today is world technology leader in brew house and uh, brewing technology. And with that, a company so close that is on, you know, on the, on the peak of technology and innovation, um, this helps us to keep also our technology here in the brewery on the top level. And also the after-sale service, you know, it's a 10-minute bike ride to, to the factory of Steinecker um, is, is fantastic. And so we are uh, adapting our brew house when it's necessary. Um, like uh, in the early 2000s, we adapted a, a, a new boiling system, the Stromboli. We uh, adapt uh, in the mid 2000s also a completely full new automation system, which gets updated also uh, uh, from time to time. So especially the automation is a big issue uh, where you keep on track. And um, so uh, I guess the last update was last year where we have done uh, a few modifications at our Lauterton. So, you know, maintaining your equipment and, and being on, on the top level of the technology is for us, a pretty good thing because we're so close to the one of the key innovators and those companies also try to use breweries like us which are so close to them as kind of a testing field to to try out new things and if it makes sense for us we are in that team to to try new things and for us it's very important as one of or as the oldest brewery in the world that we are when it comes to technology are one of the most modern amazing um We've got four beers to get through tonight, so we so, yeah, keep along. on track. We are gonna kick off next with the first beer. Yes. I'm gonna hand over to Warren Wu, who uh, arrived in the room earlier than everyone expected tonight. So no one oh, really won, um, which is slightly disappointing. On Owen, Warren, you need to lift your game, mate. Over to you. Thanks there, Trav. Um, yeah, awesome. So we're up to the first beer. Um, firstly, I suppose, where does it sit in, in the range? It's it, the differences between the Pilsner and the, and the uh, Hellas beer, is, the Hellas lager. Where, where, would, where would you put her? What are the differences? Let's, let's get a little bit of background. Yeah, the fest beer, when you see it in that kind of family of Hellas, Pilsner, which are the pale filtered uh, lager beers, um, the fest beer is like, you know, the, the strong, cool cousin, which shows up like twice a year and uh, <laughs> makes a big party. Uh, so um, it's, or I would say it's the bigger brother of the original Hellas, you know, um, it's a little bit more malt, a little bit more hops. Uh, um, and a little bit more fun, you know, it has more alcohol, has a higher original gravity, we add more, more, more hops, of course, but when it comes to, to the, you know, malt composing and to the hops we add, it's basically the same like with the Hellas, just in everything a little bit more and a little bit stronger. Yeah, because Festbier is something for the Freising Volksfest, so for the City Celebration Festival, which takes 10 days in early September, which was cancelled this year, of course. But um, for that occasion, we brewed a beer and we exported it also to, to our partners internationally. And, you know, because it's a seasonal, we want to do something special. And that's all about Festbeers or Oktoberfest beers. They're celebrating beers. And so they should be easy drinking, of course. So that means... Uh, not too too bitter or too hoppy so that it's a little bit on your throat too too harsh or also not too malty so that it's kind of a thick when you drink it and then it's like sweet oh because oh, oh, this also keeps the drinkability down 
So the key of making good fast beer is a long, very cold maturation. So zero degrees Celsius for at least six to eight weeks. Um, so it means long, cold maturation. So the beer can sit and can, can build up their aromas there. And so it's very high and fermented and it's easy drinking, but still has, you know, a little bit more power than the Hellas. And so drink it with high responsibility because it had 5.8% alcohol, but it's like easy drinking like a Hellas. And so it can really, really cause some damage if you do not take care. So please, uh, yeah, take oh, care. So cheers. I love cheers. it. Massive drinkability, but take care. I feel like there's yeah. a couple yeah, of that's that, that also when you have a high drinkability, that's, that's right the now. big thing. <laughs> um, you touched on uh, Oktoberfest. Um, if, what, this year is obviously a lot different to previous years. What, what's the feeling like in the city and around the brewery that, uh, this time around? Sorry, Warren. Sorry, but, uh, you know, uh, that's one personal thing of mine. You know, I love foam. That's, that's I, you know, all about Bavarian beer culture. A foamy hat, you know. And look at this. This is beer sexiness, ladies and gentlemen. This is how <laughs> a beer should look like. This is beer erotic. Yeah? When I get served a beer like this, you know, a nice mug and then this foamy, compact, white foam on the top of a golden, delicious beer. That's what, you know, I could, uh, that's <laughs> how I love my beers. That's so important to have a nice foamy head. Sorry, Warren, but. No, no, um, that's, I, that's I totally to a valid this. point because so often, so often, particularly in, in our traditional beer culture in Australia, the idea was to, to pour a flat beer, or like not flat as in the beer is flat, but to, yeah. to leave just a really no small, small head on it. And often, yeah, you lose a lot of the character. There's a lot more trapped gas inside, so it makes you feel bloated. There's yeah. a, lot, a, whole, a whole bunch of reasons which we, I suppose, uh, at that time, a less cultured beer drinking. Yeah. Beer drinking no, history. that's not the, the, the big issue, but... Uh, it's, it's a cultural thing, of course. You know, you can pour and serve a high-quality beer also with no foam. Um, so there are a lot of cultural, you know, ideas behind it. But at the end, um, uh, uh, also, of course, uh, a nice foam brings you some, some freshness and quality aspects, uh, of mm, course. Absolutely. Uh, but and the most important thing for me is it like how the beer looks and how the beer is like, you know, smiling at you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like for me, a smile from the beer and, and it's like, drink me, drink me. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, absolutely. Bites you to, to, to enjoy it. You know, yeah. it's not just for, uh, no, it's to enjoy it. And this is where I say, ah, oh, when I get beer like that, that's, it's a cultural thing, but yeah. a Bavarian beer culture thing. I love it. Yeah. That's terrific. I'm not, and I'm actually glad you stopped us for that because that's, yeah, I think, I think that, and that's a little bit what this be, this podcast is about. It's about more than just swilling. Um, it's about just just kind of delving a little bit further into into the culture and into the beers themselves. Um, I was so so I was just quickly mentioning uh, Oktoberfest and the the different yes, feeling yes. around around Munich around around the brewery uh, this year compared to previous years. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's very different, of course. Um, so uh, people are actually pretty sad that it was cancelled, and uh, so it's also a big economical impact for the region. You know, uh, Oktoberfest cool. in Munich is generating more than one billion euros of, of economic uh, 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 turnaround here in the area of Munich. Wow! So this is yeah, that, that's huge. You yeah. know, for especially a lot of the the 
Parika, you know, hotels, restaurants, bars, not just the Oktoberfest, everything around it, taxis, uh, you know, the, the airport, uh, airlines, whatever. So this is, yeah, a bummer here for the region. Mm. Lucky enough that uh, the, the metropolitan area of Munich and Bavaria is economically also so very strong so that uh, we can uh, maybe live with it uh, without the Oktoberfest for one year. But it's also this cultural aspect of it, you know. Mm. Um, Freising Volksfest was canceled, Oktoberfest, all the big, you know, beer festivals were canceled. That's actually pretty sad, you know. No, no occasion to wear your traditional clothing, you know. Uh, I I crave for every situation where I can can wear. Yeah, I even yeah. Oh, good man. Put on my lederhosen <laughs> for today. Even you know, you don't see it, but you know, I want to to do it. You know, <laughs> and. Um, the thing is, uh, yeah, we, we, we miss it. We missed it. But I guess that's one of the, the positive aspects. Uh, since I live here in Germany, um, Germans are very disciplined when, when it's coming to, to things like that, you know, and, and people are very disciplined when it's like staying at home or, or you know, the social distancing. It works pretty well, of course, not everywhere and not everyone, but I think in the majority it works very well. And if we are disciplined now and work through this, I guess uh, next year we can go back to the beer tents again. And I guess there is no bigger motivation for Bavarians uh, to be disciplined in that pandemic than like the, the future aspect of going to a beer tent again. <laughs> yeah, that's well said. Yeah. Um, you're obviously, you're obviously very passionate about, about uh, your beer and, and the, 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 I love the idea of your beer smiling at you. What, what, how did you get into the industry? You studied, you, you were obviously there to study, to study Brewtech. Um, what, yeah. How did, how did you get there? What was your journey? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Long story short, uh, when I was 16, I went uh, with my school class of my high school in, in Austria. I went to, to a, a job fair, you know, where you can get information for different study courses or, uh, you know, apprentice in different companies or learning jobs or whatever. And with 16, I had absolutely no, seriously, no clue about what to do. And one friend of mine wanted to study at Technical University Munich Sports Science because uh, they have a really big school for sports science and because it was located at the former Olympic Sports Center of, uh, in Munich. So they are very famous for that. And so he went there and I just followed him, you know, because I had no clue, I had no plan. I was not motivated to, to get any idea of getting a job or whatever. So I just followed him and there was an older guy sitting there at the booth of the Technoverse in Munich, you know, eating something you know, and seriously was drinking a beer. And, and then he gets all the information about sports science. And then the guy is, what about you? What do you want to study? And I was there and I was like, ah, no, nothing. I'm just you know his buddy going around with him i have no plan oh you look like a brewer and i was like what <laughs> brewing science you ever heard about this no you can study brewing yeah yeah here and he gave me that flyer and that's how it started wow <laughs> that's terrific <laughs> Yeah, and uh, then i made a one-year internship in different austrian breweries and malt houses and and then I was like, yeah, cool industry, cool business, cool product. And then went to Weinstefern. I studied a little bit longer than you should. But, you know, that's when you study <laughs> beer and fun, then something like that happens. 
And then, yeah, I worked afterwards at university as a study program manager and as a teacher. And uh, a few yeah, years ago, uh, I got kind of drafted by the brewery and they said, well, uh, go around, go out there, tell the people about beer, do it. And I'm like, okay, getting paid for talking about beer and traveling and drinking. It's a deal. It, it, it sounds it. all right. Yeah, it, it sounds like you've landed on your feet. Yeah, yeah, it's actually absolutely dream job for me. So, because I'm totally in love with the city here, with city of Freising and and Weinstefan. It's one of the most beautiful places uh, uh, in the world. Um, it's the home hometown of, or, or it's the the birthplace of modern brewing. It's the 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 birthplace of brewing science and education. It's the first, or, or not the first, but the oldest brewery in the world is here. The hop is here. The technology is here. And, and living in the middle of that as a brewer, it's absolutely fantastic. Mm. We've, got, um, we've got a traditional cool room question. And we're pretty loose with the interpretation of this question. Uh, but what's the most confronting, strange, amusing, weird thing that has ever happened to you in a cool room? Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a cool room. It could be a hospitality situation, but we like cool room stories. To give some context, yeah. Warren, your answer yeah. was you found a shark in the cool room once. When, when you I was were... a yeah, <laughs> primary school kid. Yeah. So... We've had explosions. Uh, what else have we had? Uh, Sierra Nevada lost about 50,000 litres of beer once. That was that sort of, you know. The behind the scenes. So with a cool room, you mean a, a, a cooled room? A, re- a refrigerated room. A refrigerated room. Or, or, any, or any beer slash beer manufacturing or hospitality related silliness. Okay, yeah. Um, it's, it's more a serious topic at that point. Um, I've seen a lot of cool rooms uh, in bars and restaurants and also bottle shops or whatever. But one thing I always get annoyed of is, and I have seen that often, and um, this is something where I, as a brewer, you know, I'm like, there, I, I take this very serious, and that's hygiene. That you're having a, clu- a clean room, uh, especially when you have draft beer, when you have draft lines, cooling system where you store your kegs or where you're, you, you, you know, put on the coupler of your kegs and, and, and draft it there. Hygiene is so important for proper beer quality. Mm. Hygiene is so important for pouring great beers. You know, the brewery, the importer, the transportation uh, company, all of them gave their best to bring the beer from the brewery to the customer. And then, you know, like in the last room where the beer is or on the last few meters of the beer line when it's not a proper hygiene and not a proper maintenance there, you know, you're destroying the whole work of all the other people that are trying to make a delicious and good beer. And this is something where I can get sometimes a little bit, um, yeah, like on point, like where I say, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> you know, you want to sell proper yeah. beer and then your cool room is looking like this? Are you can serious? I just say, I think this is episode 62 and we always ask this question. Please don't go back and listen to the 61 other answers we've had. Because <laughs> yes, all don't. of them involve something that will make you angry. Yeah. We might just edit them together into okay. a little package of uh, people who stored a whole lot of meat next to the lines or things like oh, that. I'd forgotten about that one. <laughs> there was, 
Well, when I as when okay, I, was I, I I really wanted to do to do that to listen to some of your episodes, but I I just I will be don't, don't it'll make you angry. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll, you'll just yeah no no. What's the what's the grossest thing you've seen in a in a cool room? What is the thing that's made you the most? Yeah, that's made you the most upset. Com um oh um. Nothing's gonna shock give me, us. Give me, give me a second. I need to, to, to. Yeah, to absolutely, absolutely. Word, uh... I, I once, I once, when I was working as a as a coffee rep, I saw the the. Mold, mold. I have seen a completely oh, keg coupler and beer line molded completely over everywhere, and they were pouring beer out there. It oh. was not our beer, and was <laughs> where I worked at a university. Uh, but I've seen this, and I'm like, so yeah, I only drink out of the bottle. You know, it was wow. seriously. It was it was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in in, in a beer cool room. And uh, and yeah, the, this was the worst I've seen. But uh, you know, dirt or unhygienic conditions, mold, uh, whatever, completely dirty beer lines. You know, where see, you know, beer lines should be transparent. You know, mm. when there's no beer in it, they should be transparent. And then beer lines, they were yellow because they have mm. never cleaned it properly. So a beer line is a transparent piece of plastic, you know, and not mm. yellow plastic. And then the owner of the bar told me he always thought that beer lines are, you know, yellow colored because the beer is yellow. And I'm so, no, <laughs> no. Oh, no, 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 no. The answer that I just can't keep coming back to in my mind is one where someone just said there used to be a hole in the floor of the cool room where they worked and they'd just more or less just broom everything into the corner and it went away into the hole and no one ever knew where the hole went or what happened. But presumably <laughs> in hundreds of time, someone would, you know, demolish the pub and find the most disgusting thing that had ever been seen in the world sort of... Oh, stop talking, David. Stop talking. <laughs> I think I'm going to keep... I don't want... La, 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 I'm going to keep talking, but I'm going to move on to a much, much happier yeah. topic. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let, let's talk about something so, nice. Like our oh, Hefeweizbier. Yeah, Hefeweiss. <laughs> exactly right. So let's move on to that. Hopefully people have got the Hefe with them and the coffee. So everyone who ever wanted to, to see uh, how to pour a Hefeweizbier out of a bottle, I will try to demonstrate it now yes, but basically yeah. when so many people are watching i basically mess it up but i try you know uh 45 degree angle of um the beer glass it should be uh, freshly rinsed out with water i haven't rinsed it out right now an hour before uh here but it should be out with fresh cold water um and then slowly but steady uh let the uh, wheat beer uh, flow into the glass on the wall of the glass without touching anything of the bottle or the glass and just let it flow in and when the beer is coming to the top just get a little bit steeper and slowly put it on do the situation that hefeweizen beer is a hazy beer so there are proteins in it yeast in it and you want to have a constant haziness and do the long transport, especially to countries like Australia. Um, the, the beer or the, the, the things settle on the ground of the bottle. So we uh, encourage you to, to swirl up this on the ground and then put it on the top so you get 
a, a homogeneous turbidity in your glass, but also with the swallowing it up, the yeast and the settlement on the ground, you also have the factor that you can put on a wonderful foam head on the top mm. of that. <laughs> Does the same theory apply when you're using the boot? Um, uh, when you're using a boot, um, more or less, I guess. I, I don't pour in boots, actually. Uh, that's no thing I, I regularly do, but uh, I do pour wheat beers regularly, and this is how they should look like, and I don't mess it up. That, that looks yes, perfect, guys. perfect, can I say. I hope that, I don't know whether your colleagues have joined you online tonight or not, but or this morning, your turn, but um, that's a magnificent pour, and we'll acknowledge that. Thank so you. the yeast is going to be one of the things that tells the story here. And we have, I know, limited time. Why don't you start to tell us about that and the importance of what the university does in making sure that the yeast survives and um, just how that underpins what the brewery does, I guess. Um, yeah, so uh, here at the university, we do, we do have um, um, the uh, yeast center of Tech University in Munich. And in that yeast center, there's the biggest selection of brewing yeasts we do have uh, worldwide. So yeasts that are uh, relevant for brewing beer, um, they have the biggest selection of those pure strains there. And they also develop new yeast strains continuously. And that center for, uh, uh, that yeast center is uh, helping us or is, 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 is doing uh, a good parts of our uh, yeast maintenance, especially bringing in our special yeast strain for our top and our bottom fermented beers continuously every, I guess, three months into the brewery. And so we uh, have here, like 20 meters away from the brewery, uh, a laboratory and a center that uh, helps us to have always not just uh, the pure, but also uh, uh, the most vital uh, uh, yeast to brew a proper beer. And to get that kind of uh, uh, taste we want to have in our Hefeweiss beer, and especially Hefeweiss beer compared to pay lagers that want to be a subtle aroma, more based on malt and hops, Hefeweiss beer is a style that's very important that you uh, have their uh, fruitiness like bananas and cloves. So and those aromas are basically produced by the yeast. So where you don't want to have that fruitiness when it comes to lager beers, you want to have that fruitiness when it comes to wheat beers. So there's no much hops into it. The, the fruitiness more likely come from or definitely comes from the yeast. And so a good yeast management and treat the yeast very well is very important. So that is producing you that amount of esters and acetates that are important to have that kind of balance of taste and fruitiness we want to have in our Hefeweiss beer. And that's a good balance between uh, phenolic aromas, which is cloves, and the Easters, which is the banana, but uh, we are a little bit more on the banana fruity side, and also with a nice palate, so with a nice, um, uh, yeah, and yeah, um, how to say it? Uh, Outfield? Uh, yeah, a, a good, a full palate and a creaminess. So for us, uh, with the yeast and with the proteins, uh, the creaminess in the mouth you will have is very important. So that you are on the one hand that you're having a, a good mouthfeel, but also a, this creaminess, but also drinkability. So this, this, you know, going that way between, you know, nice 
mouthfeel and palate, but still very drinkable is a, a very hard way, but I guess we, we go it pretty well. It's a magnificent um, beer. I, I think people are typing in the Zoom room how much they're enjoying it. And I'm sure people listening on the podcast are as well. It's, um, it's been just a fantastic lineup. And I guess I'm interested to know, you know, out of all the beers that we're tasting tonight, which is your favourite or which is your favourite out of the range entirely if it's one that we're not tasting tonight? Always like to see uh, that one in just to see what the response will be. Um, uh, yeah, the Hefeweiss beer is basically one of my most favourites, but also the original Helles and, uh, and the Fest beer. Um, I really always looking forward to Fest beer season. Uh, it's uh, yeah, one of my favourites. But something you need to take care, like, like already said. One of our um, one of our brewery friends who who often joins us, uh, well, a couple of them, Chloe and Michael from um, Burnley Brewing, were just wondering: Do you guys repitch the Hefeweizen yeast uh, when you're producing the Hef? Uh, repitch? Yeah, they might need to. They might need to clarify. Feel free to unmute yourselves and ask. Oh, oh uh, um, actually, I don't know. I don't believe so. Right, cool. No, that was good. I, I, I don't, I, I guess not. But I will ask our brewmaster uh, later on lunch. <laughs> never, never made my mind up on this. <laughs> hey, does a, do, do you serve beers at the, at the lunch room when you guys are having lunch? Just out of interest? Yeah, we go to the brewery restaurant. So okay, cool. Yeah. We, as employees, we can eat there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lunch beers? Is there, am I missing, should I... Yeah, I guess today I will have a non-alcoholic for lunch. I think it's, Matthias, it's more like breakfast beers, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, you know, you know, in Bavaria, we don't see it that, you know, strict. Blame the Australians. It was our fault. (laughs) We'll take responsibility, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, We're going to move on to the Corbinian in a moment, but I guess this might be a good time to start to sort of ask the questions about how the brewery sees its role in terms of, we saw in the video, one th- almost 1,000 years old, uh, to yeah. be the custodians of the yeasts we've been talking about and the recipes and so much of what brewing means around the world. Um, is that a, a, a heavy title to, to wear or one that's enjoyable how do, how do you yeah feel? it's 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 enjoyable but it's also heavy uh, um uh a uh, heavy duty to wear absolutely um you know with with a long tradition comes a great responsibility and especially when you're the world's oldest brewery um we are not private or corporate owned so we are owned also by the state of bavaria so that's also our link to the university because we are under the command of the uh, Ministry of Science. So Technical University Munich is state-owned university, in that case under the command of the Ministry of Science, as we are because we are surrounded by the university and we have that connection to the university. The connection is based on uh, you know, working together in science, but also in teaching. So like the managing director of the brewery, uh, you've seen in the video, Mr. Schredler is Professor Schredler. He is also a professor and a teacher at the university, and he is teaching economics for the brewing uh, students. Huh? So we do have uh, a, a brewery CEO teaching the brewing students how to run a brewery. So this is actually a very high value in, in, in the education. 
But also, um, I, for an example, my bachelor degree, I wrote here uh, at the packaging plant of the brewery, for an example, you know? Um, so there is uh, a, a lot of um, working in between, and that's why we are under the command of the same institution, and that's the Ministry of Science, and we have the same boss, when we say it that way, and that's the Secretary of Science of the State of Bavaria. Yeah? And um, so as that, we have that role to play as a state brewery, as, as the Walls Otis Brewery, and the official state brewery, because our name is Bayerische Staatsbrauerei Wein Stefan, Bavarian State Brewery Wein Stefan. So we are the flagship brewery of the state of Bavaria, that state in the world, or that part of the world, which is most known for like three things in that correctly order, beer, nothing, beer. <laughs> and then maybe... I don't know, cars yeah, or I mean, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So beer. And, and, and then we are the official state brewery and the world's oldest. So we have a, you know, with, uh, like in Spider-Man, you know, with, with great uh, power, in that case, with a, a great tradition and with a great history comes great responsibility. So that yeah. means that we are actually not brewing some kind of, you know, New England super high double sour IPAs or stuff like that. So we stick to our Bavarian traditional styles and try to keep them in the category and in the quality and in the taste where we see them. So we want to keep that heritage alive. But on the other hand, we, we as, as part of the Ministry of Science, we want to be very innovative. We want to be very modern. So we want to develop new technologies, new new. Uh, uh, you know, helping the Hallertauer Hop Science Foundation to develop new hop varieties and stuff like that. And also educate uh, and teach uh, young uh, uh, students like I was one. Um, so um, there are a lot of different fields we are in, and, um, but also try to be a brewery that, uh, 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 you know, uh, makes not just good beer, but also we have the duty to, 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 to earn money because the money we earn goes directly back to the university, to the brewing school. I keep, so, I keep wanting to move things along and I keep wanting to ask yeah. more questions. And I know there's of a course. lot of people in the room who are messaging me as well. And I will pour a Corbinian now. Yeah, well, let's start to move that way. But I guess as, as we start to go there, um, a, a couple of those sort of questions would be around in Australia and around sort of the new world, I guess you'd say, there's been this sort of blossoming of craft breweries is that happening in Germany as well? So if we were in... Not Munich, in that scale, like in the US or in Australia. So not, not in that intensity, because we always had a big brewing, uh, you know, industry and culture with a lot of small local craft breweries. Uh, basically, I would say that Bavaria invented this. So mm. we have the local small breweries who are just selling their beer and their, you know, 10 kilometer radius and, and local uh, uh, community. Uh, who are working very traditionally and, 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 and very crafty, but maybe not with that kind of, you know, international styles, more dedicated to Bavarian German styles. Uh, any, but yes, we do have a craft beer movement. We do have a craft beer movement here in Germany, also in Bavaria. We have two foundings of different uh, new craft beer breweries that are dedicated to this craft styles, which I now uh, define as some kind of IPA, stout. So, Beers that are, when it comes to style, not typically German, but also we do have a lot of German uh, uh, or, or Bavarian breweries who are trying out new international styles. So we do have Bavarian breweries that tried a stout or a pale ale. So we also have done then 
not here in the main brewery, but at the uh, science brewery of the university, tried out new styles. We have done a wine Stefan Pale Ale once, we have done a wine Stefan Stout, and this we sold then to some uh, specific markets internationally. Um, so I guess the craft beer movement in Germany is more like that way, that like breweries that are actually there try out new styles. And, and the other question I was going to ask, because you quite rightly keep, keep referring to the importance of the fact that you're the world's yeah. oldest brewery. So, yeah, but uh, don't don't hurry too much. Uh, so um, I have 15 additional minutes till... Oh, that's fantastic. No I'll talk a lot slower now. No. Yeah, yeah, no, no uh, problem. Yeah. Like I was talking to someone who doesn't speak English. It's what we do in Australia. It's very embarrassing. <laughs> We've got a number of people who are going to ask questions uh, in the room, and I want to give them some time, but... One more question from me before we move on to the Corbinian and talk about the heritage of the breweries. Are there any plans for the 1,000th anniversary year? Given <laughs> you keep referencing rightly how old the brewery is. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for that question. Um, I always expect that question in, 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 in you know, events like that. Um, the thing is, uh, no, we don't have any plans yet. Um, okay, when you have a nearly 1,000 year history, uh, the 1,000 year anniversary, which is in 20 years, seems like basically around the corner. But uh, no one ever made his minds up yet uh, here in the brewery. And I guess um, Mr. Schredler, which will be the boss of the brewery for the next 10 years and then will, I guess, retire uh, uh, he will let that decision what to do and how to plan it. His uh, the guy who is following him in, in that job. Uh, it's my personal uh, uh, opinion on that. But no, we don't have any plans yet. But there will be something happening, of course. No, no, no question asked here. But what? That sounds like a seven-year plan in China or something like that. It's a, a state-run No, we, even we are government brewery. No, we. <laughs> <laughs> so, so long plans. Uh, no. Um, well, I hope and I guess um, uh, um, there will be something uh, special and great. I, I'm pretty sure about it. I hope I will be around at that time too um, as employee of the brewery or even as a guest. Um, it will be something special. But we get emails and question this like every day and week. You know, uh, there they weren't, they weren't emails. emails a thousand years ago, were they? Yeah, but now we get now a lot of emails like, you know, uh, wh what do you do? Can we buy tickets where we can reserve some some seats uh, for the anniversary? And we are like, yeah, um, I guess 2018, uh, 2038, uh, uh, we can talk about that. Perfect. That's, um, I have to send the email because we know now that we've got a friend over there and we just get in easily. No, uh, David, we make a deal. Um, I give you my PayPal. You um, uh, send me 1,000 euros and I guarantee you a, 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 a place on that. Okay? Sure thing, mate. Perfect. That sounds like a very easy this deal for me. I think this Look is a how many of those I can sell. This is a good deal. Um, uh, yeah. Let's, we are going to move on to our final beer for the night. And I'm guessing everyone is good to go. There's a few people in the Zoom room at the moment that are literally necking the rest of the last beer to, to get to this. I've already poured mine. Um, yes. We are, we are moving on. Um, oh, look, Matthias has already poured his as well, which is perfect. Let's start off. We are, this, is a, this is a big beer. 
Um, yeah. Can you talk us through the style of this beer? And I've been told, I've got to mention, this is one of David's most favorite beers ever. So we've got to like do it justice and sort of tick the David box for tonight. So Zayas, take it away, mate. Yeah, and so it's a it's a very traditional Bavarian style. It's the dark Doppelbock, so which is a dark lager, strong beer. Um, original gravity is eighteen point five uh, uh, great Plato, and we do have here seven point two percent alcohol. So it's high on alcohol and high on, on malt. It's very sweet. Uh, we use there uh, some dark and caramel malts. No roast malts, only caramelic malts. Mm. Um, so that's why we don't have that intense roast aroma or a coffee aroma. We have more as a toffee and caramelic uh, 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 flavor and, and taste of the beer. And it's very sweet because the lager yeast normally can't uh, ferment to the end the, 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 the sugars that are based on caramel malt. And so you get a nice uh, sweetness uh, uh, in, in the beer, which is not fermentable. And so that makes the beer very, very high, you know, in, in, in the mouthfeel, in the palate, sweet, caramelic toffee, um, which keeps the drinkability a little bit down, but the experience and the broad uh, and, and, and the, you know, complexity of the, the flavor and the aroma and the taste is immense here in that so it's a fantastic beer for like as a dessert or you know for the you know we do have something like that here for winter and um so especially at, in the colder parts of the year it's it's a classic winter beer here in, in bavaria and it's named uh, after Corbinian, uh, the founding father, yeah and uh, uh named after the founding father of the monastery in 725, St. Cobinian founded uh, the Wine Stefan Monastery here on the Wine Stefan Hill. And that's one of the specialties our brewery still have today. But a monastery was founded in 725. Today, still there is the brewery. Wow. So there are a lot of old brands out there and great breweries. They're making great beers. But I will definitely guarantee you, you won't find a brewery that is producing their beers nearly a thousand years on the same spot. So the beers we are brewing, they are here from the wine Stefan Hill. And that's why we are not moving. We are here. And that's why we can also not grow because we don't have any space up here on the hill anymore. Even, okay, we could, you know, tear down some, some, some buildings of the university or some lecture rooms. So like, ah, we need, we need a space for tanks. One of the no, guys that's... in the Zoom room asked us just before which came first, the university or the brewery, and he asked it a couple of times, uh, Crofty. Yeah. I think your question's been answered, my friend. I think uh, the brewery came before the university. Sounds like yeah. the monastery came before the uh, brewery. So, yeah, so till, till 1803. So we became the official right to brew and sell the beer. So also before 1040, which is the founding date of the brewery we say today, also before 1040, we, there was beer brewing here in the monastery. But that was pretty normal in the Middle Ages in, in monasteries and abbeys uh, all over Europe that the brothers brewed their own beer, but mostly for their own consumption. But in 1040, from the uh, diocese of the city of Reising and from the bishop of the city of Reising, the, the head of the monastery became the official right also to sell the beer. And that's where we're dating back the founding date of the brewery, because we define a brewery not just brewing beer, also selling the beer. And that's why we say 1040. Even we have documents found where they stated that also in the uh, 10th and 9th 
century there was hop growing here on the wine Stefan Hill. That means uh, uh, there is no, we have no proof on that they were brewing beer before that, but there is no other idea of what hops were used in the Middle Ages than for, you know, uh, spicing uh, the beer. Um, so uh, based on that, um, till 1803, the monastery uh, brewed the beer as a monastery brewery. In 1803, there was the so-called secularization going on in Bavaria, where the kings of Bavaria and the royalty uh, uh, took away from uh, the, the Catholic Church and from uh, a, a lot of monasteries their belongings. And so also the monastery of Weinstefan was dissolved and all their belongings, fields and forests and also the brewery. And from 1803, we became the Royal Bavarian Brewery uh, till the end of World War I, where also the royalty was dissolved here in Bavaria. And from uh, that time on, from 1921, we are the state brewery of Bavaria after the state of Bavaria was founded. So, but in that time, for until 1803, we were uh, a monastery brewery by Benedictine monks. And then after we became royal property, out of the other buildings and fields and belongings from the, the uh, monastery, uh, the a king of Bavaria made out there a school for brewing and agriculturing. So um, in 1858, the School for Agriculture was founded here in Weinstephan. And in 1865, the School for Brewing Science was founded here in Weinstephan. And that became then in the 1930s part of Technical University Munich. And Wine Stefan is today the School of Life Sciences for um, uh, the, uh, the Tech University of Munich. It's the second biggest school uh, at, uh, or in faculty inside of TUM of Tech University of Munich. And it's all about the green sciences, we call it. So agriculture, forestry, um, horticultural science, gardening, brewing, food Beautiful technology, garden. dairy technology, all, all that stuff. Mm. Pardon? I looked at the website today and the gardens look absolutely magnificent. The gardens are fantastic. Well, that, I didn't expect that to cause the pause that it has, but that, that's a great opportunity to ask the question that I had in my head, which was uh, St. Corbinian, I'm not very familiar with saints, aside from starting the monastery, was he famous for anything? And anything bear related, <laughs> perhaps? Yeah, uh, he was, uh, yeah, the most famous he is today was um, that he founded the brewery, actually, uh, which is okay, I guess, that you'd be famous for founding the world's oldest brewery. I mean, yeah. Um, no, um, he was a French monk. He came from Apachon, which is close to Paris, and he was on a pilgrimage to, to Rome to visit the Pope, because um, he was at that time known as uh, um, as a missionary and speaker so he he was very famous for being very uh, a good uh, rhetoric guy and uh, you know missionary uh, uh, the people so the the pope uh, invited him to come to rome to visit him and on the way to rome at where today the monastery or the brewery wine stefan is here on the wine stefan hill the tale says that saint corbinian was attacked by a bear or the horse of St. Corbinian was attacked by a bear. And uh, the, horse, uh, the bear killed his horse, but St. Corbinian, a man of God, and not afraid of a wild, big, killing animal, uh, was not running away or trying to fight the bear. He tamed the bear. Yeah, you heard right, he tamed the bear. And uh, so he convinced the bear, because you killed my horse, now you need to wear my luggage and my baggage to Rome and, and carry it there. And that's how the tale and the story goes that 
um, the bear is, uh, um, yeah, uh, we are we're carrying St. Corbinian's uh, luggage uh, to Rome, uh, which he, in my opinion, totally did. Um, yep, I'm not arguing. With yeah, a bear or um, so I have there, uh, uh, so this is St. Corbinian and the bear in an ancient picture and killing the horse. And there you see the baggage, the luggage of St. Corbinian, which the bear after this was then uh, 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 transporting for St. Corbinian to Rome. In Rome, he relieved the bear from its duty and uh, there the Pope gave St. Corbinian a new um, uh, order to go back to Bavaria and to do Christian missionary work and convert the wild Bavarians into good Christian people, which did he, he did. Walk or did he get a did he get a, a new horse for the way, way home? Or I re seriously, I don't know. But he gets twelve uh, travel mates, uh, twelve other Benedictine monks that follow with him from Rome to to Wine Stefan. Here they found it then on the hill where he got attacked by the bear. Uh, the monastery and then St. Corbinian left the monastery like immediately after this and went to northern Italy which is today known as South Tyrol um, to Inichen and also founded their uh, churches and monasteries and stuff like that and then he was as a pretty he was then known as a missionary uh, a monk all in the Alps region. The bear problem isn't so bad around there anymore I'm told. Mm. No, we don't have any more bears. So I guess after this, after um, the bears talk to each other like, hey, there is a monk going on who is like doing slavery to us to carry the baggage. <laughs> I guess no bear was seen here in Bavaria anymore. <laughs> now, you very kindly said that you'll take a couple of questions from the room. Uh, Jeff Ambrose, you'll be first. Then Max, we're going to go to you, which means we have room for one more question for the room. If you have a question... Yeah, make, make, make a few questions. Um, I will leave when I need to go to the toilet. So maybe you have five more minutes. You're, you're a very good man. Um, Jeff, I'm going to unmute you. If there's someone in the room please, who'd like to ask a question, please type it in. And this is the advantage of being in the room with us rather than listening on the podcast on a Thursday night. So please come and join us every Thursday night. Uh, Crofty, type yours in and we'll go from there, brother. Jeff, you hopefully are unmuted now. Can you hear me, Matthias? I can hear you. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, well, yeah, I had my, uh, uh, my, my beer share so far, so I'm very fine. Thank you very much. Just another day at the office. Yeah, just another day at the office, you know. Hard work, but someone has to do. Matthias, uh, the question I had was um, about um, the craft beer movement and uh, perhaps the more adventurous uh, side of the craft beer movement and um, how that sits with the um, Reinheitsgebot, um, the uh, German purity law. Because, of course, a lot of these craft beers use ingredients that are not um, malt, hops and water yeah um that's that's correct and beers like that you are not allowed to produce in germany so you can be part of the craft beer movement as much as you want um, if you want to produce beers that are not using one of the four uh, traditional ingredients that are allowed you are not possible to brew beer or beer uh, um, similar products in germany so like beer with, uh, I don't know, orange peel 
or with other ingredients that are not uh, listed inside uh, the German uh, Reinheitsgebot are not possible to brew in Germany. Let's move on to Max. I hope this answers your question. Cool. Um, thanks so much for a really entertaining and interesting night, um, first of all. Um, the question I was going to ask was, um, you sort of said a few times the fact that the brewery kind of really um, takes seriously the tradition and the fact that it's so old and it's been going for so long and brewing this, the same styles of beer for so long. I'm wondering, like, is there any way that you can tell how similar the beer that you brew now is to the beer that was being brewed 200 or 500 or 700 years ago? Yeah, no, no, actually not. Um, so we, 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 of course, are part of, of a sl very slow but steady innovation of the styles. So I guess one of the most traditional styles and recipes we are producing is the Corbinian, because those dark double box were something like that were produced also in the 19th or 18th century. Uh, but of course, all those styles developed over the centuries, over the decades. Of course, uh, you have now other raw materials, other varieties. You have now um, uh, controlled fermentation, uh, temperature control, stuff like that. So the beers were completely different like 200 years ago. And I guess I'm not the guy who wants to try beers that are brewed under that condition from 200 years ago. I don't know if I would be a big beer fan then uh, today. Um, but... Uh, uh, no, you not 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 at all. So, but um, as today's idea of the styles we're producing it, they are actually when you compare it with you know the idea of brewing beer since the invention of uh, uh, artificial cooling, which was I guess the most impact uh, um, invention for the brewing industry so that you can brew lager beers all year long and don't have to wait for the winter times to have natural ice to cool your cellars down for uh, the fermenting temperature of lager yeast or having the lager uh, temperatures. I guess when you call it modern brewing industry was starting with the invention of steam uh, uh, kettles and, and steam heating and also artificial cooling, then... Um, we see us more in that context when it comes to the to our styles and how they taste. James, do you want to answer ask your question? You can answer it as well if you'd like. <laughs> well, I just had a question because look, I've been out to Fest a few times, and um, uh, obviously I haven't seen your brewery there. Look, I, I know there's a lot of traditions and a lot in relation to your brewery. Is there any reason why? Is, in my mind, I, I believe it was because it was outside the city limits, but I, I just want to double check, you know, and find out. Um, so, so what was the question again, please? Oh, I was just saying, in regards to Oktoberfest, obviously there's a lot of breweries involved, but um, I, I've never seen your brewery there. So, look, no, 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 no. Yeah, so Oktoberfest in Munich yeah. is Oktoberfest in Munich is only for Munich breweries. So one of the six Munich breweries um, that are existing there, because they have made a regulation so that they are kind of protecting their festival. But I guess we don't want to be there actually, because um, uh, it's. Um, it's very international now today. And um, well, I'm not sharing to 100% the opinion from a friend of mine, but I can see where his uh, opinion was going to. And he said, Oktoberfest today is a little bit like uh, 
yeah, um, beer drinkers Disney World, you know, <laughs> with, um, you know, a lot of entertainment, but it has nothing to do so much more today with the traditional idea of the Oktoberfest. Uh, but I really appreciate to go there from time to time, but it's very crowded. You need to reserve in years in front a table or run and fight, fight, you know, not really fight, but, you know, run and, and, and get for one of the few tables that are not reserved. So it's a little bit stress and I'm a little bit too old for that stuff. Um, so I prefer to go to our local Volksfest here in Freising where um, just basically uh, local people are and uh, which is, well, we have one tent, which is the size of Oktoberfest tent. We're all six and a half thousand people are in there, but it's just one tent, you know, and all the entertainment on the outside is also there, but it's not that big and not that crowded. And so I now go to more local uh, Volksfest around Munich, but uh, not so much more to Oktoberfest. But um, yeah, it's it's the biggest beer festival in the world and it's amazing and you should see it definitely. Um, it's it's big entertainment. <laughs> it's it's really cool. But at some points, and there are some points also at Oktoberfest where I say, so, well, yeah, oh, it's a little bit annoying, but hey, um, still cool. Hmm. Crafty Move on to Crofty and okay. Um, sorry about that. Um, it was a bit loudy, so I had to keep remuting myself after you muted me. Yeah, Sydney's um, not like that. It's it's a it's not defined like Melbourne. People love to do burnouts at the front of my house. It's fantastic trying to sleep, but um, that's what you get for living in Western Sydney. Uh, Matthias, uh, first up, my favourite German brewery. I've Thank you. That's great to hear. Forever. I love your stuff. But um, on that on that point, we get something like ten or twelve or fourteen different beers from from your brewery here in Australia, which is fantastic. I don't know how many you actually produce in the range, like elsewhere that we don't get to see. But um, the the main thing is that is a massive. That's a fairly big range of beers, um, all very different in their own styles. Um, but uh, for a brewery as old as yours, how do you stay relevant? How, how do you keep producing that level of quality and, 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 and keep people, say, relevant to the market, keep people engaged? And, and potentially, is there anything in the pipeline that we might want to look out for in the future like do you keep developing beers and and should we keep an eye out for the next release from from wine stefan um yeah um so uh, thanks for your questions um being relevant is, is is today for a traditional brewery like ours a very important thing because others especially craft beer breweries are like shooting out new styles and crossovers and what the hell uh, every uh, second week, I guess. Um, that's nothing we do. Uh, we want to stay relevant with um, having good and real relationships to our customers. That means tours here at the brewery as soon as they are possible again. And also with me, it was my position as brand ambassador, traveling internationally, going to our importers and also meeting customers. Um, also, we try to do online more and more uh, stuff like that. But um, our, our mission on being and staying relevant is uh, talking about our history and that 
we are not changing for trends. You know what I mean? That we are trying to, to make the best out of the style, but to teach the people that how we see the kind of beer, the style we are doing, that this is one of the traditional interpretations and that we want to do kind of a teaching with that to them and serve over the year anywhere in the world from Brisbane to Seattle, the same quality and the same high quality good tasting beers and that's it's our way of staying relevant is that we don't have an up and down or seasonal or whatever so that when you go out there and grab a wine step from beer then it's that what you're expecting that you're getting that that's our mission of staying relevant and being relevant and yes we do have a lot of uh, uh, styles we have 14 styles 16 uh, and 16 when you take the two seasonals which is the fest beer and the winter fest beer um, the decision of which beers are coming to the Australian markets are um, basically made by Phoenix Beers, by our importer. We are working now for many, many years. I guess it's like since the year 2000, if I'm informed right. So 20 years of a constant, great uh, partnership and relationship with Phoenix. Um, so all of them at some point in time over the years. Pardon? I, I think we've seen all of them over the years. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm not so aware of that, uh, but we have a great relationship, also personal relationship. My boss, the export uh, uh, manager, uh, Marcus and, and, and Live, the, the CEO and owner of Phoenix Beers, they are good friends, actually. And I guess uh, from a good friendship, you can also build up a great uh, business relationship. And uh, so Australia is one of our top 10 uh, exporting countries, uh, one of our most favorite markets, because we're getting so many positive and great feedback from that market. And, and so many great and loyal customers. And uh, the thing is that actually Australia is one of those countries, and I guess it was just two countries internationally, in all the COVID crisis, uh, Australia and another country uh, where the sales actually goes up and down. <laughs> and um, so, uh, yeah, we can totally say here in the brewery and wine staff, and we love Australia big. And um, uh, we are so happy that we are on that market and also to have uh, that great partner on the market uh, that is uh, taking care of our products and our beer as much as we do. And uh, so this is uh, fantastic. And this is our way of trying to be staying relevant. And if something new, we have brought out the new Hellas just for the core market here in Freising. So like just a 20 kilometer radius around the brewery, we brought up a new Hellas. Um, we have no plans yet bringing it to the export. Maybe you should board a plane after uh, uh, traveling is allowed again and come here and have a try. I think that's a great point to wrap up uh, because I know that pretty much everyone who's in the room with us tonight would love to be over there with you. And uh, you've been so generous with your time. You've managed to sit in your chair without going to the bathroom longer than any of the people interviewing you have. And I'll acknowledge that as well. But yeah, I, I totally need to go to the bathroom, seriously. Um, it's, it's kind of uh, pretty close to an emergency right now. Yeah. Um, so let me say a big, big thank you. Your time, not just tonight, but in setting these things up is so, so generous. And um, I know that everyone who's in the room tonight has enjoyed it massively. We're going to sit around and enjoy some more of your beers. If any of your uh, colleagues over there wish to join the Zoom room with us, we'll be in the room, I reckon, for a couple more hours. But um, you go and take okay. care of everything you need to do, which hopefully involves okay. going up to the university. Yeah, I need to go to the, to the, to the toilet. I will go uh, uh, for lunch, of course. But before I leave, I just want to give you a 
quick attention to one last thing and i hope this is okay for you guys um if i do so and that's it uh, to um give you quite a short attention to our social media too um so at, on instagram at wine stefan official which is the official instagram channel of um the wine stefan brewery here in germany uh, at wine stefan au is the instagram of of wine stefan australia hosted by phoenix beers and at van tissen and that's by the way me so just uh, 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 if you want to follow a, a german brewer traveling worldwide and having uh, uh, his hometown beers in different cities you're accordingly invited to follow me uh, but also on facebook um, facebook.com slash wine stefan is the main host of the Wine Stefan Brewery and Wine Stefan Australia, facebook.com slash Wine Stefan Australia is our Australian related site also hosted by Phoenix Beers. A great, great Facebook site, by the way, with a lot of funny postings. And uh, so, um, yeah, I hope you all follow them and uh, follow me, follow the brewery. And thanks for having me. And I hope you enjoyed the beer as much we enjoying brewing them. And um, yeah, so uh, thanks for your attention and for taking your time. And, and yeah, um, uh, thank, thank I you really, really appreciate much. it. Thanks for listening to me so long. And normally uh, someone is standing next to me and like, come to the point. Nah. Uh, but today my bladder is doing that for you. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> please um, stick around everyone else, Matthias. Thank you so much. And um We'll stop Thank recording. You Maybe I tune in after after lunch if you're still around. But uh, we'll be around. Great night. We'll Enjoy be, our yeah. beers. Thanks for your attention. Thanks for your question. Take care. Thank stay healthy, much. guys. And I hope I see some of you in person in the future. Bye. Hey there, Cool Room listeners. We've got a little ad for you. No, we're not asking for money so that you can advertise quality mattresses, razors, or any of those other sort of things that seem to get advertised on podcasts. What we're looking for is other fun podcasts that would like to share a 30-second ad with our listeners, letting everyone know why they're so great, and in return, letting us share a 30-second ad for The Cool Room. We know that right now there's a whole lot of people who are looking for fun new podcasts to help them while away their isolation hours, So if you've got something to share, drop us a line via our Facebook or Instagram accounts. Right, add over.